Since the 6th of October 2021, it's a Lunar Observance Day, the 15th day. And in just one fortnight, uh, we will have the Pavarana ceremony, the invitation for admonishment ceremony that uh, marks the end of the monastic reigns retreat. This falls on the 21st of October. So we've been, this time that we have to meditate, practice together for these three months of this reigns, it's almost finished now. And 75 days have passed already. And so if we really kind of set our hearts on training our minds like this, then in this time that we have, this range retreat time, we should have received a lot of inner peace. And during this time, if we don't have any necessary duties to engage in, then we don't travel. If we're sick or there's something important, um, then we can leave the monastery. And so we have this time to be consistently training our minds. And so this training of the heart is something that brings great value for us. Because time, it passes and passes, and it's something that we can't ever get back. You see how the days, the nights, the weeks, the months, the years, they go by very quickly. We can ask ourselves, how old are we now? Are we 30 years or 40, 50, 60 years? And all of this time has passed already very quickly. And so we need to contemplate each day that passes, to be collected, to be restrained, to be cautious, and to investigate. And as monastics, what is it that we investigate? Well, these four requisites, these are things that we should reflect upon. And so before eating, we reflect upon uh, the food, and after eating, we reflect again. And it's something that we really do need to do consistently. Because we're able to um, live these lives, and we have to be involved uh, with these things as well. We're able to live because of these things, we have to be involved with them. So we need these four requisites. Uh, to survive these requisites of food and clothing, shelter and medicine. But we shouldn't wish for anything from them. We shouldn't demand anything from them. But rather, we use them to live this life. And we live this life in order to practice, to meditate, to be developing ourselves. So the monastics who have come from other countries, um, they're all really intent on doing this, on training their minds, on learning Thai, on being able to chant the various verses, even the Padimokha. And this is something which isn't easy to do. And so this sincerity is something that is really important, this focus. Food is something that's important for us to reflect upon, that we eat it just in order to give us energy to meditate. We don't eat it for beautification. 
we don't eat too much. Because if we do, then that will give rise to scatteredness and um, too much energy of the mind. And so we should torture ourselves a bit and eat just a little. <laughs> and so in this um, training, and then we need to try to take it on. And we try to just eat a little, speak a little. <laughs> and if we do that, then the mind should settle down fairly easily. But if we have enough food or a lot of food, then that will give rise to scatteredness and there'll be a lot of thinking that goes on. So if we just eat a small amount, and then the heart settles into peace easier. So if we know how to eat, we know how to contemplate our food well, then we know how to meditate. Meaning that we know how to deal with sense contact. So when the eye sees a form, or when the ear hears sounds, when the nose smells something, when the tongue tastes something, when there's tactile sensation that contacts the body, or there's thoughts, emotions that appear within the heart, then this is the place where the defilements arise. So these defilements, they're there within our hearts already, but sometimes they don't display themselves. But when we meet with the sense contact, when we see forms, hear sounds, etc., this is when the defilements show themselves. So we need to have knowledge, which is up to speed with um, this sense contact and understands it as it's happening. Which means that we need to be able to contemplate the Dhamma. We need to have mindfulness over the body and feelings, the mind and the Dhamma. So if we have good mindfulness, then we'll be able to be up to speed with this, be wise to this process when sense contact happens. And if we have good mindfulness, we'll see that it's just that, that's merely sight, merely sound. And at times we'll be able to really understand that. So training samadhi and making our minds firm, this is something that's very important. And this is a way that we have of cultivating our bharami as well. Just like uh, Yasa, who became an arahant at the time of the Buddha, he spent a long time cultivating his bharami, these spiritual virtues. So in a previous life, he volunteered to take up the duty of burning corpses of people who didn't have relatives to uh, take up or perform the funeral rites. And during that life, his samadhi was quite good. His mind was in a state of brightness and happiness in this samadhi. And so he was working, burning these bodies. And while they were burning, he would take a stick and he would uh, poke them and kind of tear them apart so that they would get burnt through. And so at times some oil would pour out from the body. And this became an image which really stuck in his mind, which was burnt into his mind. And it stayed with them for many lives. And it shows that during that life, 
um, he had upachara samadhi. He was able to contemplate um, with that state of samadhi. So he practiced for a long time until he reached the state where his barami was complete already. And he could see at that time all of the people around him lying there that they looked just like corpses in a cremation ground. And he felt that this was really frantic, this was really disturbing. So he went out from that place and then met with the Buddha, listened to his Dhamma and attained to the Dhamma. First to the level of Sotapanna and then to Arahantship. So the meditation objects that we train ourselves in hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. And this is something that those who take up the brahmacharya, uh, the celibate life, this is something that we need to practice and train ourselves in. And it's not necessary for those who keep the five precepts. It's okay to use the object and stay with the object of the breath, and then to contemplate the body as being something that changes, that's inconstant. We're taking the recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, as the foundation meditation practices. And then when the mind is peaceful, you can contemplate into the unstable and constant nature of the body. But for those who take up the brahmacharya, celibacy, whether it's in the form of the eight precepts or 10 or 227 precepts, then you need to train in these five meditation objects because the heart has its enemies and there is enemies to the celibacy and that is the delight that we have in the hearts. Because all people, they have this delight towards their own bodies, thinking that our bodies are strong, liking these bodies, feeling that they are attractive or beautiful. And this beauty, it differs between bodies, uh, following the ways of supposition or convention. But there is this attachment there within our hearts. These hearts have entered into these bodies and they are deluded by them. They see them as being something that is stable and constant, something that is beautiful, something that just gives us pleasure and happiness. But in reality, that's not the case. They give us a lot of pain, a lot of dukkha. And this dukkha means something which can't endure. And so our minds really attach to these bodies, take them as really being a self. But in actuality, they're just a collection of elements that need to break apart that need to deteriorate. So when we see that all physical things, all mental things, are not self, then there's nothing in this world that can be taken as a self, and there's nothing in this world that belongs to us. So we need to be cautious, we need to always be contemplating, and especially so as monks, so the word for monk in Thai, pra, it can also mean that which is noble. So we say that monks are noble in the sense that they have sacrificed, 
and they've given up everything to ordain. Ordaining for the sake of Nibbana, or for the sake of cultivating Bharami. And it's really not easy to do this. And there are many people in this world, but not many, who train their minds and who can take up these practices of eating just once a day or eating everything within their bowl and not using any money, not collecting, gathering money, just wishing to practice, to meditate, to develop mindfulness, to cultivate samadhi, to gain things which are higher or better than the average worldly thing which means a mind that has goodness, a mind which is bright, radiant, a mind which is peaceful. This is something that's more difficult to gain than other things. But for those who see the danger in the cycle of birth and death in samsara, then they'll be able to really set their hearts on this, to put their energy into practicing, to really throw all they have into it, to not hold back, and to take it for real. And even though the weather may be very cold, it may rain a lot, even it may even be snowing, they still they stay and they put up a fight. You take up this practice of arms round as a duty that we need to perform. And sometimes... In some countries, it's even minus 30 degrees Celsius, but the monks still go on arms round. And normally we take up this practice of eating just once a day, but it's also okay to adjust this following the society that we're in. But the important thing is not to eat to the point where we get fat. And even sometimes we may eat just once a day and eat everything in our bowl, but be eating too much all the same. And so it's important to eat just a little bit. If we eat to the point of getting large, getting fat, then that's not right. There's one of these Tudanga practices, the ascetic practices, that of eating just the food that the monks get on arms round. And this is concerned uh, with being content with little, being content with what we're given. And it's a way of going against the grain in our heart. So at what Nombapong, Nampucha's monastery, there was one time when a monk did this, he took up this practice of only eating the food that the lay people gave to him on arms round. And he went on arms into Banko village. And he, when he came back, his bowl was full of food. And so he sat there eating that, and it was really easy, it was really pleasant. But the food that the other monks had to eat was far less. All the food that the other monks gained on arms round, they had to share that around, and it was less than what this monk was eating. So Lung Pucha, he saw this, and he said, uh, just kind of generally to the monks, is that right? Is that right? And he said this two or three days in a row. And the monk, he 
kind of contemplated this, and eventually he stopped doing this practice. Because he was eating very comfortably, he was getting all this food and didn't have to share it with anyone else. He was taking up this Tudanga practice, this ascetic practice, but he wasn't going against the grain. He wasn't cutting away, he wasn't polishing his heart. But the monks who were just eating normally, they were going against the grain because the amount of food that they had was less. So we need to understand the meaning of what we're doing of these ascetic practices. That their purpose is for this cutting away, is for shedding, is for polishing the heart. So training ourselves in this practice is something that is very important. And it's something that we do need to take up. Because we've thrown everything away already, we've given everything up, we don't want these external things. But we also need to toss out something further, and that is the feelings within our hearts. These feelings of liking and disliking. And these are things that we still have. When there's sense contact, then there's liking and disliking that arises. So this is the point where we need to train ourselves and to contemplate so that understanding arises. And when we have mindfulness and we have good samadhi, then we'll be able to gain this understanding. In the beginning it's quite difficult to do this and to develop samadhi. But if we say that giving rise to samadhi is difficult, well then Maintaining that samadhi, looking after it, is something that's even more difficult. Because there are many things there which are able to destroy the samadhi that we gain. Just like how a very wealthy person, they need to work hard to gain their money. And that is quite difficult. But looking after that wealth is something that's even more difficult. So this quality of samadhi It's like wealth within our hearts. (laughs) That if we have this, we can say that internally we're very rich. But it also has its enemies as well. These enemies of greed, hatred and delusion, of liking and disliking. And these are the things which, they're also things which obstruct samadhi from arising, which we need to pass over in order to gain this. So these obstructions or these hindrances, they are delight or liking towards sights, sounds, odors, tastes, tactile sensations, and the aramanas which appear within the mind. And there's also ill will and anger, and there's the restlessness of heart, there's doubt, and there's drowsiness. So these five hindrances are friends which we've had for a very long time now. They're things which we have associated with for very long. But now we see the drawbacks in them, and we don't want to be friends with these five things anymore. But still they follow after us. But in giving rise to samadhi, we need to pass over these five hindrances, and then we'll reach peace. And we need to be cautious of them as well, because they're capable of destroying the peace there within our hearts.
But if we don't have samadhi, if our mindfulness is weak, then we won't understand the Dhamma. And our minds will just be what they were always like, will always view things as we always had. But in order to gain deep understanding, we need to train these minds. But it's just the same mind, this mind which is afflicted with the hindrances, this old mind, it's the same mind as that which gains deep understanding, of that mind that gains wisdom. And we need to set our hearts on this in order to gain this, to be training, to be meditating, to never give up. And those who keep the standards of the practice well and the schedule well, who go to the morning and evening chanting, who take up their duties, who sacrifice, um, then they gain a lot of energy from this. And at least they should be meditating for four hours a day. And the monks who come from overseas have really set their hearts on this. And really this is the same for everyone who's come to ordain. When you take this practice for real, training together in this way, being restrained and cautious over our eyes and ears, nose, tongue, body and mind. And there's still this liking and disliking there when we meet with sense impressions. But we need to train ourselves in the, at this point to not allow our hearts to give rise to liking and disliking, to follow these things to be restrained, to sleep little, eat little, speak little. And there are some monks who have taken up the practice of not speaking at all, and this is very good. It gives rise to a lot of benefit. It helps us to be restrained and cautious. But really, we need to keep this quality of restraint and caution with us constantly, both when we're inside the monastery and when we leave the monastery as well to not be speaking a lot. If we talk a lot, if we chat a lot, then we'll meet with a lot of sense impressions and we become drunk on those. So we set our hearts on this, bringing the mind to peace, seeing the drawbacks in things, the danger in things. And then as we carry on practicing like this, then we'll understand the Dhamma, we'll see the Dhamma. So may you set your hearts in this way, and today is one pra, the Lunar Observance Day. So may you all meditate to the fullest of your energy. <laughs>